Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there and welcome back. I feel like I haven't talked to you forever. So um, this is my first episode since I lost my husband. And it's been a little scary this morning, taking a shower, actually putting makeup on for the first time and like having my like quote unquote normal work day. So thanks for joining me on this journey. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, (laughs) what is she talking about? Um, You can listen to the prior episode, episode 204, where I talk about the tragedy that happened in my family. And I've taken two months off and it feels like I took a day off. It's crazy how it like time gets very warped when you're in grief. And so I like literally feel like I took a few days off and not a hundred percent ready to come back, to be honest. But it's, um, I'm realizing that I don't think I'll ever feel ready. And so it's one of those things that you just have to, as a lot of people tell you when they are talking to you, you have to put one foot in front of the other, Natasha, you got to get back out there. It'll never feel good. (laughs) So I could be waiting for years and it'll never feel good. So that is where I am at. Um, I will give you little updates in the intros to my podcast because I know a lot of you are incredibly caring, supportive people. I mean, for an introvert like me who really doesn't have a lot of personal connections in my community locally, um, no family locally, and really not friends. Like Jimmy, my husband, was like my best friend. And as an introvert, that was completely and utterly enough for both of us. So to have this online community of, of people who have followed my work and of therapists who are in the online space as well, like just rally behind me has really been not only completely uh, necessary for my survival. So I'm so thankful, but just so touching. So if you were one of those people who did anything to like, I don't even know, I'm not gonna be very good with words. <laughs> you know, I was really bad with words before. This is going to be even worse. There is actually literally something called widow fog, which thankfully a, a new widow friend told me about a couple of days into my grief. And cause it's so disorienting to not be able to get your words and to kind of live in this fog. And there's a physiological, um, experience that actually makes it harder. So, uh, that's totally scary for someone who likes to, you know, talk, you know, impromptu, like, see, I can't even get the, <laughs> can't get the right words, but so you're just going to, have to deal with my ramblings even more than you did before. But I do want to just, before we get into today's topic, just say thank you to anybody who, you know, just even shared my work out there. There were a lot of people who didn't reach out because they wanted to give me space, but they, they shared my work because they knew, you know, my online work is really what's going to sustain my family now being a single mom, which is so crazy. So I am not, I shut down my practice. So I'm not going to be doing private practice work anymore. It's purely going to be online stuff so I can be available to my kids. And I get that I'm really fortunate that there are, there are widows out there who they have to get back to their nine to five jobs and they don't get this privilege of being able to help people in a on their timeline. So I see silver linings. I see the lemonade and the lemons, even though life is pretty sour right now. So I thought about, um, 
how am I going to come back? It just felt really weird to come back with a random topic. And you know me, if you followed any of my work, like I, you know, I teach what I know, like that's kind of my method is experience life or work with people who are experiencing life and then get life lessons from those things and then teach you those things. And, and so I'm one of those people where I'm like experiential. I have to, I have to experience something not necessarily through myself, but either through hearing it through other people as well. And then, um, really feel it in my body and then translate it in in a really simplistic way that will benefit you. And I was really stuck. I sat there and I thought, I don't, I don't know, like anxiety and OCD is so far from my brain right now. How am I going to come back to work? What can I teach people on my podcast? What can I talk about in my AT parenting community? And I realized that the best way for me to come back is to pick a topic that's relevant to what I'm dealing with right now. And then next week, move forward into my regular topics. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of bringing a lot more guests onto my podcast for a while, just so that I don't really have to think of things to talk about. I can just bring amazing people on that you'll benefit from. And so I might do that for a little while. We'll see. I do like to talk about myself. (laughs) but who knows at this point. So um, today I'm going to be talking about how do you help your child? And this may not be relevant to a lot of you, but it's good to know. And so a lot of the information I teach you is stuff that hopefully you'll never have to deal with different OCD themes or anxiety themes or topics that you're not dealing with. A lot of people listen to all of my episodes because it's like information for later. You know, it's like just soaking up knowledge. And this episode is something that I feel like Everybody should listen to it, not because I want you to listen to my stuff, because it really doesn't matter, but because you don't know when grief or trauma is going to hit you or your family. We did not know. Obviously, my husband went to bed perfectly fine. We had Red Robin and we had a normal family dinner and he went to bed. And then life never looked the same ever again in the morning. So, um, not to be a Debbie Downer, but that's kind of what I am lately. So I'm sorry. But you don't know when grief or trauma is going to impact you or your kids. And when they already have anxiety and OCD, man, does it bring up some problems. So my hope for today's podcast is to just give you some information that hopefully you don't need right now. But if you do, I hope that it helps that you can file away and, and just have this knowledge in the back of your head, or you might be like, have searched this topic out and you're like, oh my gosh, thank God somebody wrote, or actually I'm not writing, somebody made a podcast about this very specific topic about, you know, life happens, crap happens to our kids with anxiety and OCD. That is traumatizing and it would traumatize any kid, but we already have kids that might be medicated in therapy, have anxiety, have OCD. And now this, this bomb detonated in their life that even a typical kid without these issues would have a hard time handling, how is this kid going to handle it with anxiety and OCD? So I want to talk about some things to really consider that you may not have the clarity to do in the moment and that I am just starting to have the clarity to do with my own kids. So the first thing I would say is, and it really depends on the trauma. So we're talking about trauma or grief. Grief is traumatic. And so I think they are one of the same, but not all trauma is grief. So you might have had something really bad happen. Your child might've had something bad happen. There might've been 
a crime that happened. I mean, trauma could be so many different things, but I'm going to be talking about like something that's just really big in their world. It doesn't matter what it is. I do think depending on what's going on with your child, like for us, we put ERP on hold, right? So it's like you're in intensive care. Some I read a book. One of the beginning parts of the book was, it was about grief because that's all I'm consuming these days, said you're in intensive care. And I really like that analogy because it really helped me take care of myself. Because it said, when you've experienced death and especially you know an immediate family member, and especially when it's sudden, like you're in intensive care. And so when you walk around, and I might go on tangents today, so I apologize. You know, when I would do like one or two things and then I would be exhausted. And my brain was like really shocked by that because, you know, I am a major go-getter. I am a multi-multitasker. I am a work until way into the midnight kind of person. So when I like would have one task to do and then I couldn't function the rest of the day, I was beating myself up about that. Like, how are you going to function in life? You had one phone call to make. And it was like a lot of like, oh my gosh, the bureaucracy that you have to deal with when someone dies. Um, And my husband, you know, was a federal employee. So that's a lot of bureaucracy as far as paperwork and stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot for anybody. But then to hear in that book, you know, you're, you're not okay. You're in the ICU. And so we, if someone got surgery, we wouldn't expect that they could just walk around the next day, right? They'd have to take it slow. And you have to think about that in the same way for you. That was very healing for me to give me permission to say, okay, I'm in the ICU right now, emotionally, mentally, even physically, I felt it. And that's how your kids are going to feel too. If they've had a major loss or they have major grief or a major trauma. So we wouldn't expect someone who just had surgery to do ERP. Um, so look at it in that way. So put that on hold. But the other thing that I think is important, regardless of how big your child's bump is in this very curvy life that we live, is to to let your kids know and for you to be cognizant of the fact that anxiety and OCD is opportunistic. And so one of the first things I did, even in my fog, was let my kids know, especially my youngest, because it was the most obvious what was happening with her, is that, you know, Anxiety and OCD is going to look for opportunities to take this horrible thing that has happened and make it its own because that's what it does. It's selfish. And so she started revving up with a lot of her old themes. And so I was quick to say her, even in my fog, and we call her her OCD O'Cloud. I was quick to say to her, you know, O'Cloud's trying to make this his thing. Like O'Cloud is looking for opportunities. He's going to, he's in there and he's going to be looking for things that upset you. Um, he's going to bring out old stuff. He's going to try to bring out new stuff. He's going to try to glum on to like things that you're thinking about related to your dad's death. And we have to be aware of that because we don't want O'Cloud to make this his thing. That's not fair. You already have enough on your plate. It's not fair for O'Cloud to come in and try to take over. So being aware of that, I mean, obviously I'm aware of that because I'm a therapist, but in my fog, it was, it was not my front burner awareness or problem. And so it definitely may not be yours. So you want to be aware of that. And then on top of that, not only do you want to be aware of that, but you do want to make sure that your kids know that. And that's one thing that I really made sure that my kids knew. I said, you know, anxiety and OCD is going to take this opportunity. It'll bring back old stuff and it will try to grab onto new stuff. Um, And I'll give you some examples if you're kind of like, how would that happen? For starters, 
it will bring back all the old stuff. So, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. (laughs) Because like, so my daughter has sensory motor OCD. So the P thing right back. Luckily she was aware of it. And so even though we weren't doing structured ERP, she started to say, I have to pee all the time. I have to pee all the time. Now she knows because she was well-trained that that's an OCD thing. And so she just looked at me like what to do. And I'm in a fog. I can barely function. And so luckily her skills are solid where I could just say to her, what do you think you need to do? And she said, well, okay, I just won't go to the bathroom for another hour. So she was doing her own exposures, which she has been well-trained to do. So we weren't doing them purposefully, but they were, we were doing them ad hoc. And then with my son, like actually just recently. And that's another thing to be aware of is that grief and trauma, depending on what it was or what it is, is a long-term game, especially grief, like the loss of a parent or sibling or something major like that. You're looking at a long game. I mean, it never goes away and it, it will change developmentally over time. And so anxiety and OCD will do a dance with that. And I, you know, I don't even know what that's going to look like for my kids, but I'm aware of that, that it's going to do a dance with that. And what I mean by that is they're going to, there's going to be an interchange, just like you can have a child who has anxiety and then maybe genetically they're predisposed to OCD as well um, because they're not, they don't go together always, but then OCD is going to hijack that anxiety theme and make it its own. And so sometimes kids can start off with anxiety, you know, afraid to throw up or afraid of bad guys. And then they develop OCD. And then all of a sudden, you know, they can't wear green and they have to tap three times before they leave the house to make sure they don't throw up. Well, that's OCD. Um, Or they have to check the locks three times each to make sure that no bad guys come in. Well, OCD kind of hijacked anxiety's theme and it will do the same thing for grief and trauma. It will hijack those themes, whatever they are. And so we have to kind of add that to our list to be aware of. Yay. (laughs) So that we don't let that squeak in. Um, And it's really easy to let that stuff squeak in when you're dealing with grief and trauma. You know, if you're dealing with trauma, you're dealing with like police reports or you're dealing with medical issues. You could be dealing with all sorts of things that are going to require a lot of attention. You're dealing with grief, you're dealing with funerals and upside down life and world. And it is very hard to still think about anxiety and OCD. And I'm telling you that um, because I'm in the thick of it. It's been two months and I'm just starting to feel like lucid, you know, like I have any clarity at all. Like yesterday, like yesterday I went on a walk with my son and like, he like got nervous to walk by a cactus and said something and like walked kind of a little bit farther away from it. And that was his theme in like first grade and he's in fifth grade. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And I just noted it. And then yesterday when I was putting him to bed, there were like some thumbtacks on the desk and he had like a visceral response to it and like walked away from it and said, oh, I'm so upset that I saw that before I went to bed. He has like intrusive thoughts about things that poke him. I know it's a really weird, random theme, but that's his theme. And it was bees and cacti and thumbnails and shots and anything that can poke him. And that, that was a long time ago, first grade. So it just shows you, and I needed a couple of those instances to even wake up to notice it. Now, does that mean I'm going to jump in to do ERP right now? Absolutely not. He's actually home today because he was up at two in the morning and couldn't go back to bed. Like we're all in the ICU of grief right now. I don't have the bandwidth to do that with my kids. 
And it's not fair to them. They already have so much going on on their plate. It's not fair to them to be like, okay, we're seeing this come back. Let's just roll up our sleeves. We're going to start doing ERP. They're in ICU as well. Now I do bring it up though. And I say, you know, squishy's back, you know, or like your OCD is starting to come back. You know, we want to be aware of that. We want, we don't want that to grow. So being aware of old issues that will resurface um, is one thing to make a note of. Putting ERP on hold, you could do it ad hoc is another. And then looking for new things that pop up because new compulsions, new anxiety things will pop up if allowed. And even if not allowed, they might still, you know, squeak through because of the opportunistic quality of anxiety and OCD. And I'll give you some examples. So my daughter, you know, understandably is having an issue with people dying and a lot of her reactions are normal. Like any typical child is going to, you know, could easily have the things that she's having, but I have to be aware that her OCD can really take this and run with it on a different level. So, um, whenever my dog is just laying there, she will start to panic and she'll have to like call the dog's name and she'll have to see the dog move because she's worried that everything could potentially die in its sleep. I get that. I actually do that with my dog in the middle of the night all the time. (laughs) It's not really funny, but it's like morbidly funny. And so like, I get that that's a, a, a grief reaction, but we're working on that more than I probably would because it can easily become a compulsion. So, you know, if the dog's laying there, she'll be like, move the dog, mom, move the dog, you know? And, and now I'm like, we have to let that go. Right. Like, I know it's really scary and we process the grief aspect of it, but developing that kind of compulsive behavior isn't going to be helpful for her or afraid to go to sleep. So like now she's got some just general anxiety, which is completely understandable that she might die in her sleep. How do you deal with that when that actually kind of quasi happened? He didn't hundred percent die in his sleep, but I found him. And, um, and so I did try to make that clear to her. So reframing some cognitive distortions, or if there's a way that you can reframe things, like sometimes people will have, they'll make causal connections that aren't necessarily there. So I've had kids where like the parents got divorced and, you know, they were eating a bowl of cereal and they didn't put their bowl of cereal, you know, in the sink before their parents told them that they were going to get a divorce. And that child made this erroneous assumption that you guys are breaking up because I'm too much of a problem or, you know, because I didn't put my bowl in the sink. So sometimes kids will link behaviors or they'll even make associations. Like we were listening to that song, um, or they'll see a pattern and that can become either an anxiety theme or an OCD theme. One thing that was starting with my daughter is, and I didn't even make this connection. She got nervous to go to school and they didn't go to school for a good month. And then they went just very periodically. And now they're, it's been pretty recent that they've been going back consistently, um, for the full week. But she said, I'm really nervous to go back on Monday. And I, I didn't understand. And I was like, I know Mondays are hard. And it was a Monday that my husband died. And so she was starting to see that Mondays were scary for her. Luckily she articulated that because if she didn't, she could have been quiet and she might've developed some whole story in her head about Mondays and how Mondays are, you know, dangerous or bad things happen on Mondays. And with, when you have OCD already, that is a slippery slope. Um, and so we talked about that. So you want to look for those, those associations that are being made and those associations. And I'm trying to think of some of the other associations that she might've been making. Um, 
my other two, like my teenager and my son are not as articulate about those things. And you want to keep an eye on your child if they seem like they're fine after a grief or trauma, because that's, you don't want to take things at face value. So you definitely want to get them support and help. But, you know, for a while there were certain things that were very triggering and we didn't initially do those things that were triggering, but over time I'm trying to get, get back to that. Like couldn't listen to the radio. My husband had a beautiful voice and um, he missed his calling as a rock star, you know, and he, he sang everything. And so listening to the radio was hard because you could hear his voice singing all those songs. And so we didn't listen to the radio for a while, but we're trying to get back at that. So just be aware of what connections your child might be making with the trauma or the grief um, and what cognitive distortions, like what stories they're telling themselves um, that you want to reframe. And that that's just good grief trauma work anyway, but even more so with anxiety and OCD because they already have that going on where they, you know, they ruminate and they make associations that aren't there with OCD and they develop magical thinking to prevent things from happening. And you have to really watch that like a hawk when your child has already had anxiety and OCD issues and then grief and trauma hit rough stuff. Yeah. I think that's pretty much the main things I wanted to cover. Um, I would recommend seeing a grief or trauma therapist separate from your OCD therapist um, because that's a totally different, that's totally different work. It's work I don't do. So um, I've been trying to soak up like, well, and I really, to be honest with you, like I don't have the capacity to really soak up anything that like my attention span is really short and I'm not in a learning mode. I'm in a survival mode, but you know, I've had to like, just try to read some grief things for, to help kids. It's not my thing. It's not my wheelhouse. It's not your anxiety or OCD therapist's wheelhouse. So definitely getting a grief therapist for them. It gives them their own space. My daughter, like she has an anxiety therapist, but it was nice to get her a different therapist so that that was just a place she could talk about grief. For some reason, she's not really into therapy. I don't know why, because she's very outgoing, but she gets a lot of processing just through our conversation. So I'm not too worried about that. And then I would tell your anxiety or OCD therapist that you want to put things on pause. And if they're not wanting to put things on pause, then you have to be a mama bear and just be like, no, we're putting things on pause, but I want them to continue to see you because I don't want, you still want anxiety and OCD to be present in the sense that you don't want your kids to take the eye off the ball. You don't want you to take the eye off the ball. Going to therapy is a reminder. It's like a physical reminder that this is something that's still there didn't go away and that we're going to work on it. And so I think, um, having your anxiety or OCD therapist talk about watching for these patterns, watching for these like cognitive distortions that could pop up, magical thinking, new avoidant things, you know, like my daughter wanting to avoid Mondays or the radio. I mean, yes, there's a little give and leeway in that, but then eventually we want, depending on what it is, we want to come back to that, um, because that can turn into something bigger than we want it to be. So, and you might have to advocate for that in therapy if you have an anxiety and OCD therapist who's really not um, empathetic or well-trained in grief and trauma. Hopefully most of them are. Some of them might actually tell you like, let's just put a pause on therapy and have you focus on the grief and trauma with another therapist. And I would, I would caution that that's probably not a good thing to do because you don't want to get your eye off that ball. You may not be bouncing that ball, but you want her or him to have fresh eyes on new compulsions and things. And so you might have to advocate and say, 
this is what my thought is. Like, I just want you to still meet with him or her so that, so that you can maybe have some clinical eyes on if things are growing. So uh, hopefully none of you are having to deal with this, but I know, I know that life is messy and actually quite a few people from the AT parenting community and from people who have listened to my podcast, watch my YouTube videos have reached out and have had their own tragic stories. I've heard so many tragic stories of the losses that you guys are going through. And uh, I think it's, I won't go on my soapbox, but I feel like as a culture, we really don't know how to deal with death and people don't talk about it. And so the people that really reach out to you a lot of times are the people who have gone through it or who are going through it. I guess you don't really ever get through it. You just live with it. So um, I feel like those are the most heartfelt messages and stuff because they get it. They, they know like, you know, I don't know. I think when you, you've lived through it, it's like you just get it on this level that is helpful. So thanks to all those people who reached out and who have reached out and talked to me about like, you know, you've given me really good advice because the helper needed the help. <laughs> so I will be back. Um, I hope that you found this episode helpful. I will be back my regular time. So new podcasts will come out every Tuesday unless I can't handle it. I'm trying to give myself some grace, but um, I think getting back to a routine is probably a good thing to do. So Tuesdays, my podcast will come out, um, hit subscribe so that you get notified when they come out. My podcast editor is in England. So sometimes they accidentally come out on Mondays because it's hard to get our timeframes correct. So look for the podcast Monday or Tuesday, but normally Tuesday. And my YouTube videos will come back out again because I want to help the kids. So um, YouTube videos come out every Thursday. If you didn't know I had a YouTube channel, you can look at the links in the show notes. And I'm looking at probably opening up my AT parenting community in a month. I plan on doing a free series in a month. I'm going to give myself a month to just kind of get back on track and then reopen the community. So if you have been waiting to join the AT parenting community, I'm looking at opening it at the beginning of May. You can get on the wait list. I think there's probably a link in the show notes. You know, unfortunately, I opened up the AT parenting community the day my husband died. It was like the worst day, obviously. But then to actually be doing something really big that was very time consuming in that moment was, it was just a perfect storm of chaos. So I didn't really, I kind of shut down and I didn't really didn't handle the, um, the opening. We kept it open, but a lot of people miss that stuff because I normally send out a lot of emails and remind people that it's open um, because people need a lot of reminders. I do a podcast and let people know. And I did none of that. I just, I mean, obviously it was just self-survival in that moment. So I try to open up the membership up four times a year. And that was really a dud <laughs> as far as um, people being reminded. And so just to let you know that that is coming, hopefully I'm trying to like give myself some wiggle room and say like, if I don't feel like doing that, I don't have to do that. Like, and my, like my whole priorities are, have been reordered, you know, like five o'clock, everything's getting shut down. I'm not checking email, Facebook, nothing. I'm just going to be with my kids. So, um, definitely wake up call to soak up life, find balance, even, you know, you can't help others, you know, until you help yourself and you can't give love and give advice until you know, you get it as well. And my life was not balanced. So I'm going to be balancing it more. So priorities have shifted, trying to make some new connections with people because my go-to most important person in the world is gone. And so there's this huge hole that will never be filled, but 
need to find something. And so if you are, I don't know if you're, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to (laughs) say, but I'm not going to probably be as responsive. So, you know, if you're in the AT parenting community, in my membership community, and you had a question and you normally are used to me, I reply like, um, in the forums or on Facebook, like that hour, I'm not going to be as responsive anymore. And I'm not going to be doing as much. Um, I'm just going to be really making sure that I'm doing the quality stuff when I'm doing it and keeping my structure, but not going that crazy above and beyond. So Tuesday podcast, Thursday, YouTube, for those of my AT parenting community membership, we do Friday live classes and we do monthly support group calls and all of that will be happening and it will be just as good as it always has been, hopefully. And yeah, that's, that's back to normal. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I really mean that, you know, life is short and uh, sometimes we lose the sparkle because we're so busy focusing on things that are so not important in the big picture and we lose perspective because the number one thing that's important is the connections you have in your life and the love that you have in your life. And so nothing is more important than that. And unfortunately, sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, we get overwhelmed in our work, in our jobs, even if they're great jobs, like my, I love my job. I love helping people, but I think connection and love is the most important thing. And so that should never be sacrificed for anything. And so I hope that you find that love and that connection. And I hope that you find that real enjoyment every day that you get to live. So I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.